welcome to the Crystal Guardian Podcast. My name is Caressa, and this is a show on which I share about my life as a healer and crystal artist. Here, we meet at the crossroads of creativity and consciousness, art and spirituality, giving a voice to the visionaries of today. Hello and welcome. I am so happy that you are tuning into another episode of the Crystal Guardian podcast. Today on the pod, I have with me beautiful architect and artist Janet Vollebrecht. Um, we recorded this episode in her beautiful, beautiful studio space, uh, which is located in a monumental building, which causes the audio to be a little bit hollow. You can hear that it's a very big building. So... Bear with us through that for a little bit. I promise you it's so worth it. It was a great conversation. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome everyone to the Crystal Guardian podcast. Today I have a very special guest with me, Jeanette Vollebrecht. She is an artist. She has a background in architecture. She creates the most amazing pieces, um, really involves crystals into her work and as her main focus is creating nurturing spaces, nurturing spheres and yeah, meeting at the crossroads of architecture and arts. And yeah, you you will have to look her up after because the thing that things that she creates are just beyond magical. And we actually met at one of your expositions in the Museum of Ethnology in the Museum of Ethnology. And um, I actually came there as a little bit of a groupie because I had found you before. I saw that you had this exposition and I uh, came to the museum to, with the hopes of speaking to you and meeting you. And we ended up talking and we had a coffee afterwards. And yeah, I'm just very inspired. You formed a way, a way of thinking for me that went beyond the limitations that I had set in my mind. So it really opened up this 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 world of creating art that is not just art, but also has this very deep spiritual layer can be big. It can be shown to the masses. It can be featured in a museum and it, it opened this whole new world to me. So you're a big inspiration. Very happy that you're here. Um, welcome. How are you doing? Well, what a beautiful introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much. How are we doing? Well, I think we're actually doing great <laughs> in the middle of this uh, crazy life. Feel free to ask what you'd like to ask. Let's, let's start with a little bit, because I know a bit about your background, but I would love to tell everyone where you started out and how you kind of rolled into this mm -hmm. world of creating art in a bit more of a conscious way. Okay, well, good, good question. How did everything start? Well, as you mentioned, I studied architecture in Delft University of Technology. I noticed people were designing a lot of beautiful or less beautiful buildings, but often the buildings that were very praised, I just didn't feel it. I think at a pretty young age, I thought, well, architecture does have another dimension and maybe it's kind of an invisual, in, in, invisible dimension uh, that makes spaces, buildings, environments feel good. So I started searching 
the first project I ever had to design in architecture was a grave tomb, <laughs> starting at a deep level. But I started searching like, well, what, what is it? What is this dimension that I miss? I found it more easily in, in Eastern cultures. Like from my 19th, I went to Asia quite a lot. And uh, of course, encountered Buddhism, which I studied uh, deeply for years, uh, where I think people already talk more about energy. I started studying Feng Shui uh, with a, a traditional Chinese man. At that time, I thought Feng Shui very interesting, but the way it was taught, I found a bit superficial too. We were taught like hanging posters of waterfalls in a building. I thought, well, the general laws of Feng Shui, I found they were developed a long time ago and maybe not uh, so applicable to the modern world anymore. So I think uh, over the years I started developing my own more modern day Feng Shui. Um, but well, back, back to this search about, well, what makes buildings feel good? Of course, uh, I came to the end of my um, university studies. You have, you have to do your final uh, project. So I, I looked like, how can we integrate uh, everything I have to do because of university and the things I'd really like to study. So uh, at that time, I did my dissertation on innovative workspaces with a focus on uh, creating offices, healthy offices. So that was still a very practical uh, start of working with energy. Yeah. Yeah. You, you would like to interrupt me or should I continue? <laughs> continue, like continue. Okay. Yeah. I, I'd love to hear more. So. Also, like how, what was the, what was the shift for you? Because this is still a very practical. Yes. Like, like because you're in university, you have to be practical. But I noticed like a lot of buildings would feel cold to me. And what was really my passion is was, was to create environments that make people feel better. Because of course, I also had to work a lot in office spaces that you thought like, wow, if I'm gonna spend my whole life here, I'm gonna be a very, very depressed person. This happened the first three years of my working career. I was hired as a consultant. I could work on uh, designing innovative office spaces for big companies, for ministries, etc really ambitious jobs, but still working myself in this system of being a consultant in an office, like, hmm, I, even though I really like the content of my work, I wasn't happy to walk to that office every day. Mm. So I resigned as a birthday present for myself on my <laughs> 27th. And with, of course, with all the fear of um, finance, I'm like, wow, okay, this is freedom. <laughs> I will be more able to uh, develop other way of designing that I think is more beneficial for humans. Then I was free from the company and I thought, well, I'd like to study more. I was offered a PhD position in Delft University with my dear professor Hans de Jonge. But after a year together with him, we discovered that actually what I wanted to do was too innovative for a traditional PhD. Because in a traditional PhD, you have to do research, books, study books about existing material. And he says, well, there is not a lot of material on the subject you want to study. It's like integrating the energetic component in design. So maybe you should write your own book instead of doing a PhD. How many years ago was this? Ooh, this was in like around 
2000, I think. Yeah. So yeah. the book is here. I can give you one. Um, mm. So I started writing this book together with an ex-colleague. Like, I think there I already started embracing a lot of art because we worked with artists, with other architects. We Next to the book, we made a film <clears throat> when it was finally ready. We <clears throat> It's got K-order, right? Yes, yes. Like, really to find the balance between chaos and order. It's K-order and the subtitle is Passion and Identity as a Basis for User-Oriented Architecture. So for me, when I, I read it now, I was like, you know, this is really part of my search for what I'm doing now. Yeah. Because then the words I choose were passion and identity because I thought passion is this energy you feel I think maybe now I would say passion is a word that is too intense because passion can really burn you out. Maybe now I would more think in, in harmonious energies instead of burning passion. Yeah. But yeah, that was the first step, even still very abstract. If I read a book now, I'm like, wow, this is very abstract. Who's going to understand this? But of course, it's like an alternative PhD. I think the struggle to create it was as big as for a PhD. But we presented it also as kind of an exhibition with big uh, printouts in, in Supper Club in Amsterdam, which by the time was this crazy party place with a lot of uh, performance uh, art. So that, that was kind of the theoretical part. And after that, I started noticing like, okay, as a consultant, I did a lot of conceptual work, like design, big projects for big companies, big institutions, but I never, like as a consultant, actually the, the companies, well, I like it. we were in an economic high, but for a young person, I was like earning a lot of money, but I was not so content with the output of my work because uh, you work in a conceptual phase and then they think you're too expensive to realize the whole project. Uh, so then I lost control of the rest of the project because it was done by others. And if I would then see the end result, I was like, no, that was not what it should have been. Yeah, layers get added over and over and over. Yeah, and or, or like the there's a beautiful concept, but people want to realize it with cheap materials or less subtle design solutions. Mm. So then I thought, well, to really be satisfied about creation, uh, let's, uh, go back to smaller projects where you know you really can control the whole process. So from there I started like designing and building more environments until the point came when I thought, well, I'm ready with Amsterdam, with Holland, with Europe, ready for something else and ready to be in a place where I can really build dreams. I traveled around to see, am I going to do this in South Africa? Am I going to do this on Ibiza? In the meantime, I found beautiful locations, but probably it was not meant to be because, you know, it didn't happen. Yeah. And then suddenly I was invited to design kind of a boutique hotel, a little spa in Brazil. In the plane there, I met my actual uh, partner. He was going to open a kitesurf school in Brazil on the same location as where I was going to design this place. But it didn't feel good, back to feelings again. Yeah. Uh, so we left there and then we thought, oh, we have a ticket for six weeks. Let's travel Brazil a bit. 
together. Together. Yeah. And then we found uh, the land that we still have there in Chapados Veaderos. And then it happened that like uh, I sold my apartment in Amsterdam and bought that place and we started to build our dream place. Yeah. So there it was like really hands-on uh, working in wild nature, building, which took like seven, eight years to realize what is there now. Mm-hmm. I wanted to continue working with architecture in Brazil, but it's not an easy country. How how in this building, how did you incorporate these things? So how did you incorporate your vision? What, what can we, what can you tell to make it a bit more maybe visual for the people listening? Um, well, like where we are there in Brazil, we're like in a in a natural park. It's called Chapados Veadeiros. It's really wild nature. The beautiful part, like with big yellow blue aras, toucans, big blue butterflies, and also the intense part of deadly snakes, uh, spiders, etc. First, it's a place where you have to be very like aware and focused every moment. Like in a city, you would be aware of um, people, I think. Mm-hmm. People that could be of less nice intention. Yeah. In nature, you just have to be very alert because of the wildness of nature. So I think energetically, that's already one thing. Then where we live there is on top of one of the biggest crystal plates on earth. It does feel like this intensifies all the energy there and everything that happens. It's a place with many waterfalls. Well, so the place already is like an energetic center, I think. So when I came there, I totally underestimated this. I thought like, okay, nice. I'll build like an amazing project here within two years. But it really makes you very humble to live in this wild, wild nature. No, what what I actually forgot to tell is the is the Yinchi part, but I'll uh, get back to that. <laughs> so I think first, of course, I thought, how can I apply what I learned in architecture and what I learned in Feng Shui? I went out the opportunity and the responsibility to to build something on this amazing piece of nature. All these practical laws of Feng Shui, like have protection in your back, you have the mountain in your back, it's good to have like the life flow of water in front of you, Um, and your Min Tang, which is your vision, uh, built on the place where you have vision, which also will help you have vision in life. I think all those Feng Shui lessons are very, actually even very practical. What I forgot to tell is like, at the end of my architecture studies, Studying Feng Shui, I also was introduced in the um, Japanese healing art of Yin Shinitsu. And ever since I've been like studying and doing this every day. And I think that actually for me was the strongest proof of the workings of energy. Because once I went to this Shiatsu massage, I really was uh, in my party period in, um, in Amsterdam actually. Mm-hmm. And probably the lady that was giving me this treatment thought like, oh, what's, what kind of party pooper is this? And at the end of the massage, she held some spots on my foot and I really felt this energy like running through my uh, body. So strong that I didn't even ask, dare to ask the lady like, what on earth are you doing with me? 
but it was good and I was so impressed that like I think two weeks later I went back to her and I said well what did you actually do to me and she said well here in this place where we're doing this treatment actually you know I'm not really allowed to do another treatment that's not mentioned in what you asked for but I thought it would be good for you and how interesting that you feel it so strongly so Step by step, I started learning. I started seeing the lady more often. I went with her to courses. Can you explain what it does? Yes, it, like Yin Shinitsu is actually, they call it a healing art, which what I think it's, it's so beautiful that it's seen as an art. It's a technique that's actually made to do on yourself, putting your hands on different spots on the body and the hands are seen as starting cables, like, you could see your one hand as the plus pole and the other as the minus pole. Actually, energy in your right hand palm, it goes up. And in the left hand, it goes down. So you can apply this on other people to remove blockages in their energy. And you can do it on yourself. There's yin for children, which is very simple. Like the more you know, the more specific you know how to treat yourself or another person. But what I think is very beautiful that even holding your fingers, which everybody has something everybody can do already can help a lot. Now there are, you know, we know many healing techniques and I think some people can be more sensitive to what it really does than others. But if people don't feel, it doesn't mean it's not there. But in my case, in the end, I am like a Capricorn, Ascendant, Sagittarius, Moon in Virgo. But the Capricorn is a very earthy, grounded, practical person. Yeah. So I'm really like first see them believe. Yeah. But with this Yin Shinitsu, all the energy flows are written down in books. And if my teacher would apply this on me without looking in the books, I could say like, oh, this goes, this, I feel this energy streaming through the inside of my leg, through my big toe and then up on the backside. And then we looked in the books and it's like, yeah, that's where it goes. So that was also such a strong proof that it's not something some person invented, but it's really there. Not everybody feels on this subtle level. On the one hand, it's an interesting gift, and on the other hand, it uh, can be very exhausting to feel all this. But to me, that's really a proof like, hey, this does exist. Mm. And I've seen such beautiful things happening with this uh, healing art. I think part of my mission is to make this accessible to other people, this yeah. awareness of energy, be it through really uh, healing treatments to people, but also in the in the space around us. Yeah. Uh, spaces and the whole planet can be a lot more nurturing for everybody. And well, for you, <laughs> I, I think you, you work with healing. And, and for me, I think it's our, well, let's say it's kind of our task to make these things available for others. Yeah. And not even by uh, that it's us that need to give it to them, but like people can do all this themselves. Um, to remind yes everyone that it's there yeah or to give tools like yeah. you know yeah so like planting a big chunk of crystal artwork in someone's home yeah yeah, yeah. and I, th I think it works I, like i had this discussion with this um, amazing artist uh katarina petrovic who also helped me 
making my website. And like at that time, when I was back from Brazil, back in Holland, I had to become more concrete about what I'm actually doing. Because I think Brazilian people feel more than, than European people. And like, it was interesting to see that South American people and younger people found it easier to understand my work than older Dutch people. Mm -hmm. So we thought here, actually, when I got back to Holland, somebody said, oh, hi, nice to meet you. What's your elevator pitch? And I was like staring at the person like, elevator pitch? What on earth is an elevator pitch? I've been <laughs> in the jungle for years. <laughs> but in Holland, you need to be able to explain what you do like in one minute or something. Yeah. So together with Katharina, we were trying to define in few words, like, what do you do? And she also said, well, it's interesting with your art. Like, it's an object that on one hand, it wants to radiate its energy to people. And on the other hand, it's kind of a tool for people to become more conscious. So right, you can say it's kind of, it works on a material level. But its intention is to, you know, to raise people's consciousness. So. Yeah, something to explain so people kind of know what your work looks like now, the pieces that, um, I mean, we're in your um, studio right now and I'm looking around, you have these pieces, like big pieces of art and they have crystals on them and those crystals, they they create a certain energy in the space and of course they react to People, the people in that space, uh, quite similar to the works that I create, but then in a totally in in your uh -huh. uh, your way, of course. Language. But it's, it's Let's call it our our languages. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's of course something that really spoke to me as well because it is so um, you know it's in such a similar world where where we navigate and you bring your whole architecture to it, which I think is so cool because you make it very. Well, you do make it practical in a way mm -hmm. because you really create the space for someone to soften and to land and to experience the, the feeling. Also, when I was at the exposition that you were showing your work, um, these were more the installation pieces. Mm -hmm. So these are these big kind of steel frames that have crystals on them who go on to every chakra, right? Mm -hmm. They're really, really very cool. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were experiencing it for the first time or experiencing this this way. And you could just see everyone was very centered, very kind of like surprised as well by, by what it was doing to them, right? And how much fun is that, right? <laughs> yeah. That people like, you know, skeptical people, trying the experience which are already great that they do and then they already light up and you know that I, I really love that part yeah and like surprising people with hey can you feel this yes that's uh, that's amazing yeah. and I think what, what I find as I told you a bit earlier when we were preparing our podcast and it's interesting to see people trying this for the first time and being um surprised and enthusiastic about what they feel and what it does to them. But on the other hand, there's these people that say like, oh, Janet, what you're doing is actually really spiritual, isn't it? And then I laugh, I'm like, yeah, you could see it that way, but who says it's spiritual, you know? Maybe it's very scientific, but this work, like the crystals, uh, working with the chakras, maybe it's very scientific, but we just are not able to measure uh, the effect of, of this kind of interaction yet. 
at the moment I'm I'm very excited about meeting science again. So coming week, Museum de Lakenhal in Leiden is is organizing this workshop in preparation for the European City of Science next year, 2022. So they're bringing together like 20 scientists and artists from all over the world to discuss uh, intuition and empathy in healthcare and museums. So I'll be opening the, um, the workshop, inviting people experiencing these chakra installations. And I'm so exciting, excited that now we will be talking about this matter also with scientists. So I already asked them, can you please connect me to a neuroscientist so we can measure actually the effect of this work. Or I would also love to apply Yenshinitsu, let uh, a neuroscientist measure the difference in a person's system before and after. I think those are beautiful developments. Exactly. And so much is already being proven right now also um, with meditation and yoga nidra and all these things. I feel like we're we're getting closer and closer and closer to that point. And people are, you know, much more trusting of it now as Mm -hmm. well than they were before. And something really cool that you, of course, have seen over the course of your professional life that there has already been such a great shift. It's wonderful there, that there's this great shift. And on the other hand, I think we have to be aware of like one of the Trungpas has used these uh, interesting words, words uh, spiritual materialism. Uh, I think part of this is that we also see people opening up to this subject, but in a very superficial way for the, for the outside world. Like ego-driven. Yeah, and maybe even um, unconscious ego-driven. Like, I I wouldn't even want to have... It's still better than, you know, uh, fighting or whatever. But at the the yoga uh, Instagram, it look at me. I can do the most amazing yoga pose, this or that. Um, How do you feel about that in your work? Because to some extent, what we do is very materialistic. We are... Creating. Well, I think, like, I, I'm thinking about that a lot. I think my work could move to being totally immaterial. I think actually that's the future. How do you see that? Tell me your vision. <laughs> <laughs> I see my work, now, my work now as kind of a portal. Like, I think people still need the material stuff to look at, to touch, to feel, etc. But I think if we learn to... Uh, communicate even better with energy, I think we we can do a lot of things without even using art pieces as an as an um, intermediate. What I'm actually going to do with that, I don't know yet. But mm. because, of course, I also think like, hey, crystals come out of nature. Uh, are we still allowed to use those? Where does it stop? So I, th- I do think like in a couple of years, things will be different (laughs) yeah yeah i have had the the same thoughts in Uh in that regard and to me something that i really love about working with crystals Mm -hmm. right now is that it is such a tangible Mm -hmm. way of working with energy so what i see in my workshops as well when i have people make their Mm -hmm. own artworks with crystals is Usually beforehand, I tell this story of, you know, the crystals, they want to go somewhere Mm -hmm, and you have mm -hmm. to be open and perceptive to go where the crystals want you to go. 
but it's it's very much shutting off your own mind. And then usually when I have this talk, everybody just looks at me like, what? <laughs> Are you sure? I don't know if I can do that. And then she's out. <laughs> and I'm always like, just do it, and you're gonna experience yeah. it because mm -hmm. the crystals they speak so clearly mm -hmm. they speak so loud and and that is one of the things that i love most about because at the end of every workshop mm -hmm. every single person is like wow okay now i know what you mm -hmm. meant mm -hmm. now i understand because they feel that yeah sometimes the crystal doesn't want to be placed mm -hmm. in this corner or they mm -hmm. you know you're not allowed to use this one or it feels like you you're just supposed to keep that crystal to yourself but not mm -hmm. use it in the work and there is this whole dynamic of getting to a next level of understanding the energies behind it. I do see a world where we're going to evolve from that in mm -hmm. the not needing that tangible uh -huh, uh -huh. proof anymore. Yeah. And I do feel that right now we are very much still in a phase where we need that tangible yeah. proof. Even me sometimes, I just need to kind of be reminded of, okay, okay, yeah. it's all it's all real, it all makes sense. And, and like, I think we've seen that like with lockdown too, that we also need kind of tangible contact with other people. But yeah, I think using less material, we hopefully go there. Yeah, down the line. <laughs> and still like, we're, we're big in recycling, right? Exactly. <laughs> like that, that was really beautiful in Brazil that I, I saw like, oh, where we live is kind of a very basic community. People were reusing and recycling things and actually living in a very sustainable way without knowing. Here in, in uh, Northern Europe, we can still learn a lot from that. Mm -hmm. I'm so shocked about all the things that are thrown away and the way we use clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So I think the, the good thing, I think with art, I really try to work with materials that can be used over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, same. I, I try to use, you know, uh, for the frames, I have a friend of mine, he makes them by hand and he uses local wood and non-toxic paint. And there's all these things that we can still do to make it. Well, I feel also to kind of honor the high vibrational crystals that we are working yes. with, to, to have them in an environment that, that is worthy, Yeah, really. In, in Brazil, I learned this uh, natural painting with an amazing lady painting with onions and painting with mm -hmm. hibiscus and all sorts of Brazilian plants. Because I also felt like, oh, I don't want to work with all this acrylic, you know, it's not good for the environment. So there are all steps. When you are creating these artworks, how does the energy communicate with you? Things start as, as visions and uh, it's interesting to see the time they need to be materialized. So it, things feel as if they have to be and it, as if they have to become into existence. So yeah, and in the creation process, I really like the, the focus and the feeling like this comes through me. You know, it's not mine. I think we, we, we have this inspiration from some, you know, it's somewhere there. Yeah, yeah so it kind of feels a bit like it has to be. Yeah. Don't ask me why. <laughs> like a deep knowing that kind of just sinks in. Yes, and, and I do think it can still be hard work to realize those, those visions. Sometimes things come easy and sometimes, you know, it also takes quite some energy to get things realized. Yeah, yeah. 
So how does that relate to kind of always being in a flow and being in the flow with the universe? Oh, I'm definitely not always in a flow. <laughs> um, not. I'm not saying that it's a good thing, but I'm, I'm just very intrigued mm. to hear your your view on that. What, what exactly... So, because you were saying that it is a lot of hard work to create this vision that you feel or this idea mm -hmm. that wants to come through you to actually put it out into the world. Well, it, it makes, I think it makes me feel, you know, we are so little as one uh, human being. And I think uh, my visions can be very big. Mm -hmm. And I just know, like, I definitely cannot realize that on my own. It's like, an, I think that's the interesting thing about architecture. Projects are so big you definitely are not doing it alone because you need stone workers, you need metal workers, you need wood workers. It's big. And I notice all these details are in your head. That, that's why I actually I also really like making artworks because they're smaller scale. On the other end, the, the other side is like with the arts, I know what we can do with all this we're talking about now. But to have that realized, I think we have to create a really good team and, you know, create this work all together because there's a lot to do yeah. on this planet. And you're starting to ripple. Well, we're all together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But for example, next year, uh, I'm talking about um, realizing dreams when I was in uh, university studying architecture. One of the teachers presented Oscar Niemeyer's um, uh, buildings in Brasilia. This city is only built in the 60s, but it looked so modern and like space that I was like, wow, what an amazing place. I never ever expected to be living there one day. Mm -hmm. I always thought if I live abroad, it will be in Asia. Coming here, I'm invited to do an exposition in the National Museum in Brasilia, which is this amazing Oscar Niemeyer building. And that's wonderful to do, very exciting, but it's also a lot of work. And I definitely cannot do that all alone. So, but I think because it's uh, it's a passion, we're willing to to do this. Yeah, to, to work together yeah. with other people. I think also something very important to sometimes let go of the control and to let yourself be supported by other great human beings and yeah that, that's what you said about like being in flow it's not always i think when you're when you're alone for example when when i was not having a family i found it a lot more easy to be in flow because you totally live your own rhythm and you do your yeah. yoga when you you know you feel like it living with a family is definitely more challenging <laughs> same same for work i think if dreams are not there or you're you're content with the status quo maybe it's easier to be in your daily flow if there's big dreams there's um well highs but well it, it also uh, asks energy to to realize all these things yes. and then to find a balance like okay what energy can i throw out because you're actually working with energy And you have the tools in your own hands, so you also have to take good care of yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, that's, I think that's the interesting thing also with Yinchinitsu, to be able to apply this on another person. You really have to maintain your own energy flow, otherwise it wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that to me is one of the most important things in my work is that I 
you know, sometimes I'm just like, I, I haven't slept properly or anything, you know, just you're off, your energy is off. And then I take a day to, to just recover. And I'm not going to create my art from that place because it's a, it's energies you're yes. working with. Yeah. So it's gonna, yeah, something that I've had to learn to allow myself mm -hmm. to do that as well. And maybe something that you can really relate to because we do live in this society where, you know, it's weird if you're like on a Monday and you're supposed to work and you're supposed to create and be this effective person of society. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then it's like, no, actually I want to honor my own mm -hmm. body, my own energy to be able to live from a more and create from a more aligned mm -hmm. place later on. But it's this, it's this balance that you're also talking yeah. about, right? And here, here, I think we, in, in Holland, we can really feel that we're living in kind of like a, a society with pretty Calvinist backgrounds. And it's exactly what you're saying. Like it's Monday, you should be working, you should be doing this and this and this. Yeah. Uh, but how effective is it mm -hmm. if your energy is not flowing? Yeah, it, it would be nice if society would, you know, feel more and, and accept more that, that people are not machines. So that's why I'm also so happy the Lakenhal is now paying all this attention to intuition and empathy in healthcare. Like, because when people come to hospital now, for example, when my, my father went into hospital, I'm like, oh, you know, he had liquid in his lungs. Uh, should I asked, shouldn't you look at his heart? Because often that can be a cause. And they're like, no, he came in through the lung channel. So we only look at that. As if you, as a human, you're divided in little boxes. Mm -hmm. Like, I think in this society, we are kind of seen as machines. Yeah. And what makes humans special is that we're not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then it's the trick to, to show grace to yourself and to others. And I think with the work that you're creating, you are creating these, these energies and, and the space for people to... Mm -hmm drop into these feelings and drop into these emotions more and more. This this also, I think now, you know, we're, we're entering this age that people say, oh, the computer is going to win it from the human person, like artificial intelligence will be so much quicker, etc., than than people. But computers don't have intuitions, computers cannot feel. So maybe now is the time for us to elaborate exactly on this energetic part that humans can feel and computers cannot do absolutely because we've we've we're already chatting for so uh, so long but one question that i wanted to ask you is if you maybe want to share maybe a book or a documentary or another artist or something that has greatly inspired your work or your personal developments just something that was a big big addition to who you are now if people want to dive more into that Ooh, those are many <laughs> I appreciate many artists, many writers. Like now you ask me this question, it's also like what is the first thing that comes to mind? Mm -hmm. And that will definitely, that definitely doesn't imply those are the only influences because I think there are many in different phases in your life. I think the work of James Terrell is like sublime, amazing. Mm -hmm. He is an artist with a background in a Quaker family. And Quakers used to, or they come together, uh, not so much to pray, but to sit until uh, they're visited by the Divine Spirit. 
James Terrell, so that is his background, the kind of religion his family um, had. He is also he is also a pilot, so he used to fly and see the beautiful skies change color at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So his art, close to architecture, he creates spaces, uh, often without a roof, for people to sit together in silence and watch the the sky. He calls them sky spaces and see them change color. I think this is very uh, amazing work. I, I also love, for example, the artist Ruben Valentin, which is a Brazilian, Afro-Brazilian artist who work with African symbols that are kind of connections to the sacred, but he made very modern graphical translation of it. I love the work of uh, Bourle Marx, uh, Oscar Niemeyer, of course, books. Oh my God, there are many. <laughs> Just one that's that's on your heart right now. Well, maybe. I think if it's really like a book that uh, made a high impact on me, that mm-hmm. I read three times and actually at a pretty young age, it is the Tibetan book of living and dying because I, I think it goes very, very deep. Uh, a lot of what I learned from the from the book I really used to guide my parents uh, to the other dimension. And I think it's very strong, very strong. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So that's not so, you know, it's not scientific or not about art, but I think it's very, talking very deep about consciousness and uh, energy. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) I am, uh, I'm going to look everything up because um, <laughs> it sounds really beautiful also the the artist who is kind of honoring mother earth by creating these spaces to watch the sky that's um, very beautiful yeah thank you thank you so much for for being here today for sharing your story i am very sure that it will inspire many more i want to encourage every single person to look you up right now and just see the beautiful works that you create because um they're truly something else something very unique and you can really see that it's such a pure expression of what comes through you really something that i haven't encountered anywhere else and how beautiful (laughs) yeah really really i um yeah i think it's great what you make and you make the world a better place um with it so Thank you for being here. Are there any places if people want to look you up where they can find you? Instagram, website, those kind of things. My Instagram, my website, but I'd have to spell. <laughs> like my website is www.studiojanetvollebrecht.com and Instagram. You can find me. Yeah, <laughs> great. I'll add it in the show notes as well. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank so you much. for this uh, really nice initiative. Like I'm not so good with podcasts or YouTube films like I have to learn. And I think these are really amazing moments in time. And um, I really appreciate your openness in like talking about that you feel inspired and how this brings you on your path. And because I think we're all inspired and integrate what we see around us and then create our own language so Mm. i can also really see in your work that you're finding your own language which i think that defines a good artist to me that they find their own language and their way of communicating and sometimes we meet on the way and we do something together and you know so 
Absolutely. I think uh, we're in it together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautifully said. I love that you're finding your own language. Amazing. Okay. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, that will be a very big help um, for me. I would love to see you on the next one. Speak soon. Ciao. <laughs>